0: Hello and welcome to this edition of the Final Siren Podcast. Thanks to Draft Central. Make sure that you head to afl.draftcentral.com.au for the best insight into the talent pathways across Aussie rules football. I'm Matthew Cox. Great to be back in the chair officially uh, for this edition of the Final Siren podcast, relegating Pete Williams back oh. to uh, the expert seat, uh, the chief editor of Draft Central. Oh, Pete?
1: Yeah, well, look, it's it's good to have you back, Coxie. I mean, who else are we going to pay out on during the podcast?
0: Yeah, well, uh, looking forward to it. Not really, but anyway, Michael Avaro's also in, sticking around. I think he's solidified his spot here on the podcast. Yeah, you'd be right. It's good to have a real host back as well, Matt. So, welcome. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And we've got through the intro cleanly. Plenty to discuss in this edition of the podcast. Uh, The Under-17s Futures Games, which took place at the MCG prior to the Grand Final on the weekend. Plus, we're going to take a look at the Sandringham Dragons and the Oakley Chargers and their prospects, because there's quite a number of them.
1: Yeah, there's quite a bit of talent in those two sides, and we knew it coming into the year too. So... Uh, it's a really exciting time and, and especially for the 17s because it's sort of the, the final game for the, for the juniors this year of the elite program. So um, we get a taste of next year and, and we saw last year with Matt Rowe how well he played on the MCG. And um, you see the likes of Braden Campbell, Elijah Hollins, those kind that stand up and you think, okay, so they're probably top end prospects. Um, and it gives you that first step into a look for next year.
0: Two teams on the weekend called Team Brown, named after Jonathan Brown, and Team Del Santo, named after, of course, Nick Del Santo. Uh, Team Brown, Victoria 16 6 defeating Team Del Santo 9 7 61. The names that you mentioned there, Pete, uh, Campbell and Holland, were the standouts from the weekend's performances. Does that give them the momentum now heading towards the 2020 draft given that they've performed on such a big stage?
1: Oh, well, it definitely gives them a huge advantage. And I think for many of us, um, Elijah Hollands has certainly been in that pick one conversation, um, particularly the last 12 months, the way he's performed um, for you know Vic Country as well as the Bush Rangers when he's been in. You know, He had the 24 touches, couple of marks five clearances four inside 50s and a couple of goals so um, what he does so well is he showed that he was able to spend more time in the midfield because of Murray's uh, strong midfielder and the same with Vic Country he's pretty much predominantly played as a forward just pinch hitting in there but he showed on the weekend he can certainly go in there and spend more time so he's certainly one that I think will be uh, really high up in calculations and Campbell along with Errol Goulden is the other one of the two Sydney prospects, which if you're a Sydney Swans fan, in a very compromised draft, you're getting a couple of really good ones and potentially two first-round picks. So um, they're going to need to do something about that when it comes to draft pick calculations, and they'll probably have to sort it out in the next few weeks So um, just to make sure they've got them ahead of next year. But certainly those two are, are, are very classy, very good users, Um both could develop into be those full-time midfielders that then can go forward and hit the scoreboard. But, yeah, there's a lot of talent out there, uh, and Sydney are certainly a beneficiary of that.
0: Campbell kicking three goals on the weekend. Goulden, just the one he played for Team Del Santo, so both on the opposite sides. Um, on the whole academy and also the NGA, So there was a, a stack of that uh, in this match on the weekend. So you get the impression that we're going to start to see more and more players that are aligned with AFL clubs going forward. And the fact that we've also got to see the academy sides with a bit more exposure throughout the 2019 season, we got to see Goulden earlier on in the year and how flashy he's going to be, how he develops going forward, definitely will be an asset for the Sydney Swans. But some of the other players from across those academy sides. For you, who who stood out, Michael? Uh, you've got to sort of
2: point to Jamara Uglehagen and Connor Downey, I think, as the standouts. Um, eugle Hagen obviously, is one who's um, starred towards the back end of the NAB League season and um, he's a high marker, he kicks goals,
0: um, and he's just sort of the guy that you you pay to see. I felt he was also played in a different role on the weekend in the under-17s yeah. game, so largely in the defensive half of the ground, rather than forward where he's predominantly been throughout his his pathway career to date.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think um, that high marking, his reading of the ball in flight was probably one of the reasons there. And obviously, Team Brown had a few forwards like um, uh, Phil Thorpe, McDonald and and Neil up there. So uh, it allowed him to sort of be freed behind the ball and he leapt well at it. Um, he, he's obviously so athletic. So at ground level, he um, he swept up really well. But Obviously the kicking's an area of his game he's looking to improve. Um and that's something that Connor Downey has, the um the Hawthorne next generation Academy member. Um he was fantastic on the weekend, just looked to go at every opportunity he could. And um another uh couple of players uh, from South Australia tied to clubs from Team Brown. Obviously, Luke Edwards, um, in the back half was terrific. He's um, so composed on the ball um, sort of has the, the Hayden Youngs about him um, maybe not as elite of a kick but he's really sure about it and um, can intercept he's a strong body goes into the midfield too and then uh, Ball Ace as well um, a bit of a touchy one for uh, Port Adelaide supporters given his, his dad played an absolute wealth of games for them um, but he'll be a an Adelaide next generation um, Academy prospects so they're, they're two that that stood out. Ball Ace is probably sort of towards the back end a little bit more at this stage but um, definitely the compromising of the drafts obviously always going to be a hot topic and um, I, maybe it just points towards the clubs being better at um, generating that talent and um, having the pathway be better.
0: And you've alluded to it there. Not only did we have academy players and next-generation academy players, but the father-sons, there were a few of them running around. We mentioned Edwards. There was also Taj Schofield running around, so another South Australian father-son potential selection. And we also had a couple of brothers that performed on the weekend. Uh, Finlay McRae did okay. And, of course, the big lump of Henry Walsh. How he and Sam are related, still it baffles the mind yeah
1: yeah it's quite remarkable considering um like the different styles between them the different um attributes and traits obviously henry's a fair bit behind in terms of the development uh he's going to be a long-term prospect more than anything else but look he's he's improving and showing signs and he he loves kicking a goal as you saw from the goal square he I wasn't sure whether he'd kicked it, and then he sort of had that delayed reaction, which was quite funny. But um, you know, he's typical he, ruck, yeah, yeah <laughs> a bit slow to, to work it out. But yeah, he certainly got that. And look, if you look down, I was sort of briefly looking over the lists, and there's probably about roughly fourteen players that, that played that are tied to uh, AFL clubs in some way, whether it's father son, next generation, and, and all that kind of thing it's quite remarkable if you think of it that way and you add in the the likes of you know as you said Henry Walsh um as, as the brother McCrae of course um and then you look and and go you know there's yeah there's quite a few like Davies and and Carter Michael and um everything like that that are a part of the northern academies and then you look and and you go imagine if um Elijah Holland's dad and and Jack Bowie's dad played enough games in the AFL to be father-son prospects there. You could be looking at potentially, you know, eight to ten of the top ten that are tied to clubs. So it's quite
0: interesting. So digressing from the match for a minute, this is going to be an upward trend from here on in, given how the academies are structured, the NGAs and clubs investing more into those programs. How are the AFL clubs going to be combating it come to the draft. So let's take the 2020 draft as an example. Let's take the Sydney Swans. You've got two prospects that are likely to be top 10 prospects in Campbell and Goulden. How do you deal with that equation? Do you potentially swap draft picks with this year to, to enable you to better yourself into that position or future picks and the whole exchanging it from there? Or do you just back yourself in to be able to secure those players? Yeah, I think we saw a
2: little bit with um, Collingwood this year or last year with um, with Isaac Quainer and, and Will Kelly. Um, you kind of know coming into the fact that you're going to have to give up a fair amount for them. Um, so I think clubs especially now that we can see them on the big stage in the under-17s, Sydney's going to know that Campbell and Goulden are going sort of at that high end at the moment. So you sort of have to prepare the year before. You're trading picks already um, and the fact that you've got future picks as well to dispose of helps. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's a matter of preparing and and these clubs, all of them will know what they're going to have to give up really from an early stage. So even the Dogs with Hugo Hagen, um, that's going to be a pretty pretty penny so um, yeah it's just about preparation I'd say
0: and I know that I know that they've still got access to NGAs but clubs in Adelaide and Perth are they at a disadvantage now compared to the eastern seaboard given the Swans Academy seems to be firing the Giants Academy has got prospects this year Brisbane looking okay the Suns have got prospects as well and then you look at a Victorian base those programs are strengthening. I know Adelaide, Port Adelaide, Fremantle, and West Coast do have their NGA access, but do you think they're behind the eight ball now, given that the rest of the country seems to be strengthening those programs?
1: Um, I don't know. Like, I, I think that the East, obviously being over here in Victoria, you hear a lot more about the Eastern Seaboard and, and the teams because now they're playing in the NAB League for extended portions. I mean, if we look at next year, for example, like Adelaide Luke Edwards is a terrific talent. Um, Liam Henry this year over at, you know, Fremantle. Um, they've, they've got players that are a part of that NGA or, or the club. Um, they might not be talked out as much um, compared to some of the Eastern ones, but I still think they get the odd one. I think if you look at the Victorian teams as a whole, not every club is going to have a top talent. It's just they're all coming at once next year. Um, but if we look at it, it sort of ebbs and flows. Like like Michael mentioned before, like Collingwood had a couple last year. They don't really have anyone this year, um, and then they've got another one next year. So it'll flow, um, and different teams will have it. I know Richmond can sometimes have them and, um, and whatnot, and then... You know, sometimes like Carlton have had some and then opted not to pick them. So you're not going to – I don't think there's that many that are going to be top five picks or top ten picks all the time. I think they just get talked about more when they are because you know that, hey, we're getting them for great value. Which, of course, links into the Gold Coast Suns Academy and and the talk now that – Obviously the AFL's decided they don't need to go through the bidding process and they also get Darwin as well. So I think in terms of draft discussion, they're the ones that have got a leg up. Um, I mean, again, we're looking at, if we're talking freebies, they're probably, they're getting Buterick for free. They'll get Davies for free. Um and, you know, there's a heap of other prospects, but they're the couple that are that are really major. And then you could look at, you know, your Roses or someone like that that potentially they could get for without having to go to the bidding. So of all the benefits they got, I think that's probably the, the biggest benefit because they can technically put them on the rookie list if they really wanted now that Cat A's can just play from the start and then just, pick apart the rest of the uh, competition so um, it'll be interesting to see how they go or what the rules are because if they end up let's say Davies or someone else like that suddenly comes up becomes a top five pick and they get them for free at the end of the draft that's where conversations might be had again and it could be the whole cola uh, you know saga all over again.
0: Joel Jeffrey, a player that stood out from the Northern Territory on the weekend, kicking two goals at the MCG in that under-17 All-Stars game. Before we move on, the not the trend, but the I suppose the thinking heading towards the 2020 draft. So this year, as an example, we know Noah Anderson, Matty Rao, virtually from the word go, were going to be the top prospects. And we alluded to potentially Hollands and Campbell being around that mark this time next year. In terms of the overall depth for the 2020 draft, your verdict on that and also key position players because that was one thing that there were a few out there on the weekend but they seemed as though they needed that development another year, which they'll get, to, to help strengthen what they were able to do.
2: Yeah, there's a few raw ones and I think um, the key position is definitely what we lack in this year's draft. Um, we probably won't have that same problem next year, which is a positive. Um, you look at Callow... Hugo Hagen, as we mentioned, and um, who's the other one there? Riley Thilthorpe as well, who are probably going to be that sort of top 10 range and all vying to be the first one taken. They're all really raw prospects, um, but I think it's great having a key forward and and potentially ones that can go sort of in that top five, number one. It's always exciting. Um, At this stage, I think Pete would agree, Elijah Hollands would probably be the leading candidate. Cause he's got that x factor but he's also put together such a consistent couple of years so um yeah in, in terms of trends and looking at the strength of the draft maybe a bit weaker having seen them at the 16s as well the quality wasn't sort of as you as you'd expect um and the depth probably isn't there but
0: there's still a lot of players that you get excited about at the top end as as always You're listening to the Final Siren podcast thanks to Draft Central. Head to afl.draftcentral.com.au to get a full recap of the Under-17s All-Stars game from the weekend, plus some scouting notes. And when I say some scouting notes, it's virtually every player that ran out onto the field on the weekend that you've got covered there. So afl.draftcentral.com.au as we track the 2020 draft crop. Let's move on and continue the draft combine profiles as we head towards the 2019 draft. It doesn't seem too far away now that we've entered October which also makes me bring up uh, you've got the power rankings next next Monday yeah Yeah, I
1: was I'm I'm glad it's next Monday because I thought it was this Monday again and then I realized it was Sep 30 30, so about the fourth time you've done that this year
0: that's all right Good to see you pay attention to the calendar Fisher McCasey is where we're going to start for the Sandringham Dragons how do you rate his 2019 season and where do you think he'll, he'll be the best fit
1: well, he, he won the Metro MVP, which is a pretty good start um, when you've got others in the team like Raoul and Anderson, as
0: we mentioned. But look, he's shown he can play up either end and um, so, sorry, had just, a real impact. Just backpedalling on that. So what separated him during that Metro Carnival? Because we know Raoul and Anderson are that talented, and yet you've got another name now thrown up there that won the Best of Field Award. So what did he do?
1: Well, he won the most valuable player. And this is where not many people know. Raoul actually won the best and fairest of Metro. Right. But they don't actually talk about that. Right. Um, Raoul won the best and fairest. So uh, it's a sticking point. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> it's just interesting. Um, uh, look, well, Casey, he, he is the most valuable player because without Why? him... Well, without him, they're not kicking goals. Like, because they weren't, you know... Him and um, Worrell were basically their, their main source or, you know... I think McCasey played centre-half yeah. back, though, to <laughs> he be He did. Fair. I realised after I said that because I'm thinking... Because <laughs> we're doing sandy profiles. Um, but, you know, centre-half back, all Australian. Um, you know, without him, the opposition um, would kick a lot more goals is what I was going to say. Thanks for switching Correct. between Dragons <laughs> and Metro there. That was a real good stitch-up. Um, but, yeah, look, he can play at either end, okay? Um, so... He's, look, he's a fantastic prospect and he was Metro's most valuable player because of his ability to intercept Mark and, um, and the question was over whether he could play forward and then he went back to the Dragons, kicked three goals in his return game and, and showed that he could. So um, for me, he's definitely in that top ten calculations and um, every bit, um, well, you'd say the, the best key position prospect that's out there.
2: What does he need to strengthen? P, you you probably be um you probably you oh, probably well, know more than me given you've seen him at both ends. Oh, obviously can obviously
1: consistency, um is a thing because he he towards the end of the final series like he got injured um so he couldn't quite get on the park but prior to that he had a couple of quiet games but um I think when he's sort of up and about he's very hard to stop but certainly if he's um getting taken out of the action he did play a fair few loose roles for the Dragons but. Um, certainly he's capable of matching up on, on opponents, but he's also one where I think it'll be interesting to see what role he plays at AFL level. He's clearly tall enough to play a key position, but he also is really good at that, um, Uh, rebounding effect. He's almost like... He he reminds me a bit of a a Ben Reed type who can... He can play on an opponent or he can play loose. So I'm interested to see how he goes when he does get drafted. But certainly, obviously, with every tall player, consistency and putting a bit more strength on because he's still a lighter player compared to
0: the others. Miles Bergman's another one that's received a draft combine invite. Played 13 games for the Sandringham Dragons in 2019. Kicked 12 goals... How do you see him, Michael?
2: Um, I bloody love watching Miles Bergen <laughs> play. Uh, I don't think I'm the only one. Um, T- tell us what
0: you really think. <laughs> no, uh,
2: he's, um, he's just that player that really sort of sells tickets. I mean, X-factor galore. He's got the vertical leap, overhead marking, um, can bomb at 60 metres through the big sticks. And his rate of improvement this year has been absolutely just astronomical. Um, he's gained the confidence, and it's something that you want to see him maintain. Um, when he gets to that elite level. and I mean, we see him in that first round ca- calculation now, um, probably in the t- sort of top 15. So, um, And that's all based on upside and, and some of the sort of glimpses that he's shown. But obviously, if you look at the improvements, you looking to keep that consistency and maybe winning a touch more of the ball, doing those crazy good things a little bit more. Um, but yeah, if you're looking at sort of pure highlight reel, um,
0: he's right up there in, in the draft. Josh Worrell coming in at 195 centimetres, another one that starred throughout the 2019 season. Another one who can play at both ends too, so um,
1: very handy. He's the one who kicked goals. Um, I love it when there's so many sandy players you get confused. Uh, But look, he can play similar hairstyles too. It's it's It's... because McCasey started forward and went back, and uh, Worrell started back and went forward. So they're just trying to confuse us. Commentator's dream. Yeah. Uh, Look, Worrell um, obviously got injured towards the end of the year and missed the rest of the season. But um, does that hurt his chances? Oh, not not a great deal. I wouldn't have thought he did enough at champs. Um, he was a bit quiet at times when he was forward, but um, Metro's forward line as a whole was quiet at times. So, um, but when he got up and about, you know, he kicked four goals in the game. He looked really good. So, um, I still think he's that defender though. Like I do like him rebounding off the half back. So, um, similar to McCasey, someone who uh, you know can intercept mark. Uh, run down the field he's got a bit of athleticism about him He's, he's not too bad overall and he could maybe develop into that really tall winger but probably that defensive role is um suits him and yeah i don't think his injury will hurt him um whatsoever in terms of his draft chances so um he's certainly one that's still in first round calculations but certainly
0: top 30 Finn McGuinness, coming in at 187 centimetres, played nine NAB League games throughout the 2019 season, kicked eight goals, was averaging over 20 touches a game.
2: Yeah, phenomenal inside midfielder, and I guess we tend to pigeonhole inside mids as just that, but he's got a bit more about him, which is great to see. Um, During round 17 against Oakley, sort of went forward, and he's got that overhead marking with his clean hands there and kicked three goals, so um, that's a great... Part of a midfielder's game that I, I, in particular, really like to see, and I think it, it adds great value for him. And I guess one of the big knocks on him coming into the year was that um, his field kicking he looks a little bit awkward in in style. But I think it's something with his decision making that he's really shored up. And um, look, I'd certainly consider him in the first round. Um, it's just yeah, a matter of sort of where he falls there. But um, yeah, definitely a guy who's improved as well. So um, yeah, absolutely yeah really rate him like seeing him play he's a Hawthorne father son too it's worth mentioning so
1: um I mean we talk about all these academy prospects but you know he's probably the the number one father son prospect in this draft so um it's going to be really interesting to see where Hawthorne have to um give up for him because they don't keep their first round picks ever so um and it was interesting to see they were interested in Noah Anderson I saw as a rumor yesterday good luck with that um (sighs) So, you know, but, like, you've you've got to give up something. And and certainly for someone like McGuinness, usually they go a little later than you think. So maybe you might go in the 20s, for example. But certainly he's in that first-round calculation. So I feel like all of them are from these teams. But, um, yeah, certainly McGuinness is a good talent that's really come on
0: strongly. I'm hoping he makes it a fair way down the order for the Bombers to pull another Irving Mosquito over the top of Hawthorne. But I don't think that's (laughs) going to happen. Jack Marnie is the next player from the Sandringham Dragons as we discuss the draft combine invites tees for the 2019 season. Only managed to play the first three NAB League games, then went on to other duties and then got injured in the back half of the season as well. How do you rate his year overall?
1: Oh, he's just a really smart player. I think if he was taller... We'd be talking him up um, more than he is.
0: One seventy six centimeters. Mm,
1: yeah, and and that's the thing. Like he's he's that mid forward who just he's one of those players that just ticks a lot of boxes. And I say this for a few players, but for him, there's not too much wrong with him. Like he he's just a really well grounded, well overall base player. Um, it's just more that that sort of size, and he he's got a bit of zip, but he's not you know massively you know elite in terms of his acceleration or things like that, he can get away from from players. but certainly like it's just that little bit of X factor, although he does have the smarts um, when he's going forward, he just seems to hit targets. Um, he doesn't try and go for 55-meter passes or things like that. He'll sort of stop and prop, and we saw this at the Champs, and he'll manage to hit a target maybe 25 meters away, but it's at about a 45-degree kick across his body. So he's able to hit those kicks, and rather than just going for distance, he uses his smarts because he's one of the smartest players um, going around. So I think that when it's all said and done, he's probably, a, a you know, late second to third round prospect. I feel like he's better than that and that he could prove a fair few wrong. Um, but certainly, you know, he, he didn't get to show it at the end with his injury. But, yeah, he's just so smart and someone who's able to play mid-forward wherever they need him. So
0: it'll be interesting to see. But he's certainly one that um, I rate pretty highly. Lewis Butler is the next player that received an invite to the National Draft Combine for 2019. 183 centimeters. Played ten games of NAB League footy this year.
2: Yeah, he's one I didn't know too much about coming into the year, but um, he certainly caught my eye really early on. And um, it's just his rebounding and um, the sort of depth on his kick that, that really stands out. He gets to a load of contests and can accumulate the ball just um, in massive numbers across half back. And half backs are a bit diamond dozen, but he's got that competitiveness um, and and sort of willingness to improve. Um, I think in terms of he, those improvements, though, he's kicking while it is a bit of a strength given the penetration he gets and how kick-happy he is. Um, some of that decision-making under pressure is a bit questionable and um, he'll have a few daisy trimmers and, and kick a few sort of along the ground or, or a couple of clangers. But um, yeah, definitely it's sort of a, an inconsistency maybe that, that, um, that he's going to look to shore up and um, other things are sort of that versatility. We know he can sort of play in the midfield and he had a go there, but um, just sort of nailing it down and maybe getting a bit more time in there uh, would be great for him and be good to see if, if he can really sort of um, develop into that midfielder from a half back.
0: Ryan Burns was probably one of the most consistent members of the Sandringham Dragons side in 2019, given that he played in 15 games for the Dragons. How did you read his season, Pete?
1: Yeah, look, he's he, again, he, he ticks a lot of boxes. There's a few areas he's got to work on. His kicking can still um, improve, but he just wins the ball and just has a massive work rate. He gets to so many contests, gets it forward, and to be honest, he's probably the one dragon that you can lock in from the start, despite the talent of all the other ones we've mentioned. He's the one dragon from the start of the game you know is going to give you a four-quarter effort, whether he wins 20 or 30 touches. Um, You know, whether he gets it inside 55 or 10 times, he's never going to waver in his ability to win the ball or go for the ball. Um, And he's just a player you admire. Um, He's a player that um, you can see why he got the captaincy. He's just someone who will keep battling the whole time. Um, Obviously played at St. Bede's and and won the Herald Sun Shield there, led them um, really well. And he's just, yeah, he's a really consistent midfielder. It's just building that sort of all-round game, um, he gets inside 50 a lot, but um, it's, it's more just his making sure he's making the right decisions, lowering the eyes, and, and hitting the targets that I think for me he
0: has to try and improve on. Hugo Ralph Smith featured in 10 games in the 2019 Nab League Boys season and kicked 10 goals.
2: Yeah, he's, a, he's one that's got a similar look to one of his teammates in Miles Bergman, so I'll try one, not to get one him confused. Yeah, <laughs> well, um the great thing is is that um they're very similar players so um he might not have sort of the same high marking as um as Bergman but can definitely do it and he's so dangerous inside 50 i think in particular um got a really good goal sense he's super smart um but definitely has that work rate to get up and down the wing where he where he's played a lot of his footy this year so um yeah i mean doesn't win major amounts of the ball but um sort of has that impact with it and i think Inside 50, he's got great value, um, even on the outside at at the next level. And, um, yeah, he's one that I rate as well.
0: Oscar Lewis, the final player that we'll discuss from the Sandringham Dragons side that received an invite to the draft combine, featured in 10 NAB League games throughout the season, was able to contribute the two goals as, as well. He's another one with those flowing locks that you can easily confuse at 189 centimetres too. So that's similar height as most of his teammates.
1: Yeah, he often sort of plays maybe that halfback to wing role, can get forward and have little stints in there. But look, he's an outside ball user. Um, He pops up. I think that consistency is his his main thing he needs to work on. He's He's a player that's got talent, but he just needs to show it a bit more in terms of Um, Being able to really hurt the opposition and and win it because being the outside ball user you'd probably want to have a higher impact in terms of the the hurt factor going forward but certainly look he's he's got the the raw talent there and he's a bit different to the others where we've been talking about him for a while um, whether it's through Sandy or through the um, school footy but he's sort of the one that's come along bit by bit and I think that he's more of a longer term prospect and and yeah, someone who I think is probably that later type draft, maybe rookie draft type prospect. But um, again, like Sandringham, just keep finding them uh, in the region. So uh, he's another one that'll uh, go in with hope, hopeful of draft chance and certainly one who um, has a lot of development ahead of him.
0: Darcy Churguin's another one on the Sandringham Dragons list that has an invite to the draft combine. A unique story, Pete, because he's from the Geelong region, so he was with Vic Mm. Country and played a game for them during the championships, but's aligned with the Sandringham Dragons. Played seven games for them in the 2019 season.
1: Yeah, obviously the the one game he got to the championships, he'd actually made it back from a pretty serious uh, injury in the preseason. didn't get much game time with the Dragons, um, up until that point, he pretty much played a, a couple of games leading into the champs and they got him back for that final um, champs game. And unfortunately, he didn't last too long in that only, um, you know, the, the first sort of quarter, um, not even that. So unfortunately, he went injured again, but he got back. Um, it wasn't as major as his first one and he got back at the end of the year to... Um, have a bit of a say in the finals and lead up to finals Uh, but yeah he's one of the unique stories that um, comes from that Geelong region as you said and he's um, sandy boy Uh, he's an inside midfielder but can win on the outside that big body um, probably more ready-made once he can sort of get that I guess consistency in his game and um, fitness right up he's able to win the ball and he's good around the stoppages and certainly that um, prototype
0: midfielder if you like. Jack Bell, another player from the Dragons, as I said before, there's not too many of them that were consistently part of this side due to school footy commitments and representative footy. Jack Bell was, though. He played 14 games all up for the Dragons, uh, kicked 12 goals for them as well. He's... Unique as well in a way, and I say that because we've been discussing throughout the season that there's not too many key position players in this year's draft. Coming in at 200 centimetres, he is one of the very few prospects available. Yeah, definitely. He sort of rotates
1: between that ruck and and forward roll, and yeah, he's about a goal a game forward, which is pretty good resting down there. Uh, Sandringham had quite a few throughout the season, but he was able to get some consistency um, apart from when he was uh, with Metro mid-season, but... Um, unfortunately, he injured his ankle in the qualifying final up at Mars Stadium and missed out on the, the last couple of games. But um, look, he, he's a talent and someone who um, has a lot of upside. He's still got a long way to go. He's that long-term prospect, but at his size and, you know, he's a bit of an athlete and, and whatnot, gets around the ground and, and look pretty good for Metro Um, there's not too many tall prospects, as you said. So he's a player that I think will certainly uh, come into consideration later in the draft. Uh, uh, No doubt clubs will do their due diligence on the players that, you know, that are fit and and ready to go. But, yeah, he's a long-term prospect anyway. So, um, yeah, good good luck to him. And I think that, yeah, he's got a big future if uh, a club can be able to develop him in the right way and um, really turn him into a dominant tall, whether it's ruck, forward or a bit of both.
0: That's the Sandringham Dragons, those that were invited to the 2019 Draft Combine and we expect to feature somewhere in the draft, most likely the pointy end for most of them. Uh, you can read about them on afl.draftcentral.com.au over the coming months as we head towards the draft in November? Mid, mid-November or late November? Late November. Late November. I mm. knew it was one of those dates. Um so yes, you can read all about that, afl.draftcentral.com.au. This is the final Siren podcast, thanks to Draft Central. Let's take a look now at the Premiers, the Oakley Chargers. They were chock full of talent, so it is a little surprising to see that only six names received a National Draft Combine invite. The two off the top, Matt Rowell and Noah Anderson. Do we need to talk about them anymore?
1: No. <laughs> they're, pre- they're pretty good players. I um, reckon they might get dropped. Played a couple of good games. Yeah. Not, no, nothing flashy. Um, I mean, what do, you, what do you say about him? Like, Matt
0: Rowell, particularly, like... Is he... Now, this is something that I've brought up with a few people. I think Rowell is more rounded than what Sam Walsh Ooh, was at boy. this point last year. Oh, you getting the from like I, <laughs> over there. I know I, know yeah, I am. I, fan I thought this was. might be something to get it going. Ooh. But I, I see him... Like, Sam Walsh, don't get me wrong, he's a brilliant player and he's going to be a superstar of the competition. I feel Matt Rowell, though, has a couple of extra elements to his game compared to Sam Walsh when you think about where they were at at this point. So heading into the draft last year for Sam Walsh and Matt Rowell.
1: I think, like, you certainly have a point there. I do think, though, you've got to compare draft years. Because Walsh was competing against what I still believe, like when we look back in five years' time, as one of the strongest drafts. Um, particularly for first year impact. We've seen like we've seen players that we didn't think were going to impact. Like Zach Butters is having an impact and he's about sixty kilos. And you would have thought, like, you know, him and and Xavier Dersma, they're all light players and they're having impacts. Um, where in the past we wouldn't have seen that. So last year's draft was so competitive um, that Walsh was one of a number of really, really good talents. He was the top talent in the end, but so many good top talents. And obviously this year has them, but probably not to the
0: same standard. So a real hypothetical for you. You know yeah. you know I like my hypotheticals. So they're both in the same draft. Well, yep. sorry, we'll put Matt Rowell in last year's draft. Yeah. Where does he go?
2: One. I'd take him you before Walsh. You'd take him before yeah. Walsh? Um, and it's probably, as you said, that roundedness. I think he's got two things, um, which is probably a better inside game. And his overhead marking, I think, is a bit more outstanding for his size. I think there are two things that set him apart. They've probably got the same kind of scoreboard impact. Um, Walsh is maybe a bit more outside. He's got that running um, ability. But so does Real. And you know he's going to do it consistently. They win the same amount of ball, things like that. I think that there's just probably a little bit more with Raoul and maybe even less to
0: improve so continuing on that hypothetical noah anderson you put his name into that to last year's draft as well where does he rate oh he look he's top five definitely
1: um but again like i definitely like i'd have no issue i would take um welsh ahead of them but like so you i'd take welsh ahead of Raoul, i would yeah okay but, I mean, in saying that, I'm certainly not unhappy taking Rhea. Like, we're talking about left arm <laughs> no, versus we, right we, arm here. We are
0: yeah. splitting heads. Yeah, exactly. I'm 100%. not
1: saying anything. Like, if I'm Gold Coast, I'm taking both of them. Like, you know, I'll just have pick one and two. They're absolute champion players. I would take Walsh only because um, I just feel like the, the way that he played is just magnificent to watch. And to have the first year that he's had is just phenomenal. To go in, it is so hard to go in and play Pretty much full time midfield in your first year, and to stand up and and be probably I don't know where he finished best and fairest, probably top three four. It hasn't happened yet. Hasn't happened yet. Well, he will. will. <laughs> um, there's a spoiler, um, but no, you know he's he probably will though, won't but, he? Yeah.
0: But he also did that in a side that. It's not like he walked into a Collingwood or a Richmond or anything like that that's programmed was elite. He's No, no, no. He's walked into a club that was struggling Mm. and made an immediate impact, which is something that I think Raoul could do, but he's not going to have the same level of support that Walsh had coming into Carlton.
1: Although Walsh pretty much had crips, if we're talking like inside bodies,
0: um, because Carlton had a lot of injuries from their top end But you've still got that level of experience, which is something that Raoul and Anderson, given both... Now, given the news of Mm. of the week and the likelihood that both of them are going to be going up to the Gold Coast, these two have played all their school footy together, all their under-18 footy together. How much of an impact does it have for both of them? To be slotting into potentially the Suns side. Well, they're best twenty-two. That's for sure. Well, obviously, but, oh. <laughs> no, but like, so if yeah. Rao was to go there yeah. separately, yeah. You add Noah Anderson, so they they mm. both understand each other's game. Yeah. They know each other incredibly well, so they complement each other incredibly yeah. well. So Suns fans, what can they expect to see from those two?
1: Uh, look. Well, you know what you are going to expect from Rao: consistent effort every week. Um, I I was mentioning off the top, off air, in the grand final where he had 44 touches, um, you know, he had 16 hard ball gets, which is just phenomenal, it's ridiculous, half the players don't get 16 touches, and for him to get to ground level and win the ball before anyone else, and in a contested situation, so that's when others are battling for that ball, it's not a cheap loose one on the outside, he just wins his own ball, he's the definition of a ball winner, and... Um, he will just give you consistent effort um, week in, week out, and I really hope that next year, because he's not at a at a Carlton that will get plenty of media coverage, I hope that the overall media still praise him for his efforts because he might not be able to get well, he won't get forty touches every week, although <laughs> knowing Rowley might. Um, but you know he he's going to be a player that will just dig in, and that's what that's what they need. They need someone who's going to dig in, commit and really turn the, the culture, which has started to turn. Stuart Dew, obviously, has done a great job doing that. But I think Noah Anderson is more your your cream on top, the one who will play well when the likes of Rael get it out to him. Now, he still wins his own ball, contested ball, whatnot, but he's particularly dangerous when he's the first receiver or second receiver of the ball. Um, and that way, he can really hurt opposition teams on the scoreboard. We saw that... When he played for Vic Metro, when he was inside mid, he was good, but he wasn't as dominant as he could be when he rotates forward. So if they've got players, um, like if you're talking Gold Coast, like Took Miller and whatnot, winning the hard ball with Rao to get it out to Anderson, that's where he's going to have a real impact. And I think it's a case of with all their picks they've got, they're going to pick up another two players in the top 20 if they don't trade it. They might have to trade them for established players, but... um, Certainly, it's going to be an interesting time for Gold Coast, but I think by the time that round one rolls around, you're probably looking at having potentially 10, maybe 12 top 10 picks in your team. So, I mean, there has to be a a, a point in time where the tide turns and you realise, well, you know, the talent has to start getting in there and, and working and they're going to start beating sides um, it hasn't worked so far, and I think that's largely because a lot of players didn't want to be there. I mean, players hate losing, and it's just sort of ingrained in that culture like it was for Melbourne for so many years. And then they had the prelim and, and, and got up, and it was all – everyone was up and about. So I think that Rao will be a great addition to that team, as will Anderson, but particularly Rao in that midfield, he'll just
0: be phenomenal. Of course, we say all this <laughs> unless something – extraordinary happens oh, they, in the they, coming weeks. They could weeks. give away that number two pick. Nah. So mm-hmm. Wouldn't put
2: it past mm-hmm. them. I wouldn't,
1: I wouldn't touch it. I'd be taking it to the draft.
0: Just on Anderson before we move on. So, at the start of the year, some had him in front of Raul. Some had him going number one. What changed?
2: I think it's just Raul too good to ignore. I mean, I know both yeah.
0: Pete and did, I had him number one. Did, did Rao get better or did Anderson plateau? No, mm-hmm. I,
2: that's definitely not the case. I, I think... Um, yeah, I, I just thought Rao was better anyway but the argument for Anderson would have been that he's got that sort of he's got a bit more X factor yeah. about him he's a game winner Flashy. yeah, yeah. And, and he's he's bigger he's a bigger body kicks goals, kicks yeah. goals does all the, the, the stuff that's exciting and you want to see so I think that's why a lot of people would have had Anderson it's the uh, Walsh versus Rosie
1: argument again
2: like I know yeah. they're not the same player but it's that argument yeah. of the consistent ball
1: winner every week versus the guy that could win you a game with four or five goals
0: so, apart from those two, who we've known for the last 18 months, we're going to be up the top end of the draft. A couple of others that have really stood out this year for the Oakley Chargers. And in my eyes, Trent Bianco, he caught my eye in round one. Now, not that he didn't catch my eye prior you, you to that. You told
1: us earlier in, in, in the podcast, and one of the first ones, you didn't realise he'd played last year. Oh, I may have skipped So, like, he's a potential but, first no, round so what,
0: what I... no. <laughs> what i'm saying there is off and it was probably coming out of the back of the round one game but i couldn't remember him having the impact so that's what i was referring to to clarify those oh. comments in case they get written up that's somewhere <laughs> trent bianco's impact that he had in round 1 and what he's subsequently done throughout the 2019 season i think has strengthened his case to be a top 10 maybe bordering top 5 prospect it's a stretch
2: at this yeah. point. I think
0: um, I'd have him. It is, but he's yeah. he's capable. He's a half back flanker that can run through the midfield. Has got fairly good execution. You don't you don't no, seem no, to be no, agreeing ten, with me. Ten, here.
1: I can see. Like if if a team yeah. takes a pick on ten, I can
0: see this might be an exclusive for five, the uh, power rankings coming up. Yeah, here, ladies five, and
1: gentlemen. Well, I mean he's a, he's around that mark. Like he, for me, he's in that ten to twenty five mark, which I think is fair. Um, for me, the difference with the the top five particularly is. They all win a lot of hardball, their own their own ball. And I know Bianco, that's not his go. He's an elite kick. Um, he will slice them but He's probably, well, aside from Ash and Young, he's probably the next best kick in this draft. Um, but he's just, there's just some areas he needs to work on. Like I know we've spoken throughout the year, so that defensive pressure um, that he's got to apply more of. And um, I guess develop that contested side that even the uncontested players have so I I think there's a few things to work on but certainly his offensive game I sort of think of it like this his offensive game is top five his defensive game is probably a second rounder so therefore
0: you put it together and he's probably in that mid first round the reason why I push him up a little higher is because I just really like his decision making so he's able to make, coming off half-back in a pressured situation, he's made, able to make a very calculated decision on where to place the ball that's going to be most effective. Now, it helps that he's had some pretty handy players to help make those decisions. But he's he's just got that game awareness and, and the ability to sense, right, what's going to be the best outcome to go forward. As you said, the offensive aspect of his game is definitely the strongest point, which is saying something for someone that probably coming into the year, was labelled half-back flanker.
2: Yeah, I think, well, he's, he's a good mate of mine, Trent Bianca, so I'll vouch for him. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dropping names
2: now.
1: Nah, Is um, this what we do on the podcast? Just, just, just off for Mr. clarity, <laughs> he stitched him up at the post-game press conference at the grand final because he uh, had an audio problem. Anyway, <laughs> back to
2: the footy. Um, Trent, I, th- I think, as you said, Matthew, that um, the the damage going forward and, you know, kicks... Good kicks going inside 50 are so rare and valuable. I think he's just, he's arguably one of the best, probably top three, really, um, like Pete said, in the draft this year. And you look at some of the plays that he's making look even better than they are. No one would be speaking about, well, they would be, but Cooper Sharman and Jamari ugo have gotten silver service from this kid throughout the back end of the year. And he is a massive part of why they've kicked so many goals because they're leading beautifully. They're great marks, but they're not going to mark anything if, you know, they're getting balls along the ground. So I think Bianco, he can he has that ability to bring others into the game and, and make them look better than maybe they are. That's not to say that Sharman and Hugo Hagen aren't any good. <laughs> um, but... He, he's got that, that quality about him. I think that's really, yeah, obviously something that pushes him to the 10 mark. I'd have him late first round. And, and the other thing you got to remember
1: is when you've got a top prospect... You always nitpick with little things. Like, for example, you go, I need to work on this, he needs to work on that. Where if you look at a player that's probably late to rookie, you're like, oh, he's got this really good and this is a real strength of his. When realistically, a top 10 pick or somewhere near that, probably one of their improvements or deficiencies in their game is probably stronger than the strength, if it's the same feature, of a late to rookie player. But it's all relative. So you go, wow, he's an elite kick, elite decision maker. But, you know, he doesn't tackle that much or, he, you know, he doesn't have those defensive side. It's not saying that it's, you know, it hurts his game. It's just an area of improvement. And, you know, you try doing that for Raul and you pretty much, you know, it's, ha- it's hard to pick weaknesses or improvements out because they're just so good.
0: At under-18 level. At under-18, well, Raul will be good at any level. Well, yeah, that, that is true. But <laughs> put it into a bit of perspective, Pete. Um, Dylan Williams, where does he fit into the equation? He's an interesting one, I think. I, I injured in the the yeah. back half of the year. Oh, he's been. I reckon he's quarter. been
1: injured all year, to be honest. Um, like maybe what not fully. He's that? been playing. Well, he's just had the inconsistencies and whatnot. Um, I'm not saying it's anything untoward or Oakley have done anything wrong. Um, he's just sort of had those. He just he keeps, hasn't
0: lived up to the expectation or the bar that was set prior no, to and the uh, season.
1: I think he's just had little niggles. I'm not saying it's enough to keep him out of the games. I think that eventually it's probably it's been the back, yeah. And in the end, I think that it was just too much, and they went, okay, let's let's just take you out. Um, but look, he's a match winner, and he's when he's up forward, he's the best forward. I think he's best when we're talking. Like, you know, medium to small forwards, he's better than anyone else, like in terms of his ability. He can just completely take a game away from you. Really exciting. Um, but then sometimes you won't see him for a half and you'll be like, what happened to him? Like, he'll have two touches to half time. And I think this might have been one of your games up at Rams where he had about two touches to half time and then he comes out and kicks a bag of goals after. Um, and that's just Dylan Williams. Like, he'll come out and you'll be like, well, I didn't realize he was playing. And suddenly he's hit four or five goals. And you're like, where did that come from? But like, his best is unbelievable. And if there was anyone that I guess has to improve their consistency, it's him. Because when he does, he could be a dominant player. Like, we'd be talking top five
0: if he was able to do that. I was going to say, I think he featured in the top 20. Mm. Power rankings from memory.
1: He, he's thereabouts at the moment. he's probably twenty two twenty three but yeah,
0: given what you've just said, is the likelihood that he falls down the order increasing?
1: Yeah, well, I said uh, I, I said as a joke to someone yesterday, I said, oh, I'd love to have him at Collingwood and and they replied with, well, you might. And Collingwood's first picks thirty five, and I, I couldn't see him falling that far, to be honest. Um, he's just too talented. But I tell you what, uh, if you if you hear a scream at the draft, that'll be me. Um, <laughs> look, he, he's an incredible player. I would take him in a heartbeat if it's anything past 20. Um, like, yeah, he's just an incredible player. And yes, the consistency. And again, we go elite players, you've got to try and work out nitpick. But certainly once he gets that consistency in there, he's going to be a very, very good
0: player and will probably be one of the best from this draft if he can get it together. Nick Bryan. Another one, where does he fit into the equation, Michael?
2: This is a really hard one because he's probably had two guys. Well, Luke Jackson was already the number one ruck prospect, but looks like Charlie Combin may have even surpassed him um, later on in the year, Um, just on pure consistency and, um, and ability. But Nick Bryan's final series was really great. He stood up and probably showed us that potential that he had at the start of the year. We knew he was an athlete, um, he actually, you know, always had that really good ruck craft. But we wanted to see him leap at the ball and mark and um, do all those things and, and, you know, sort of show a bit more around the ground and, and have a bigger impact on the, on the say of the game. But, um, yeah, as I said, that finals uh, series was really good. He, he started really flying and, uh, and getting to those aerial contests and, and had a, a fair bit of the ball in the grand final as well early on. So in terms of where he, where he falls, I mean... It's going to be one of those teams that already has good ruck stocks, I think, and, and that can afford to have him play in the twos and develop a couple of years because he's still very raw. Um, in saying that, I definitely think he's past the second round at this point. Early on, you'd have him right up there just based on potential, but um, he hasn't showed it consistently enough, and I definitely think he, he falls outside the first couple of rounds.
0: The final name from the Oakley Chargers, and I've deliberately put this to the end, because I think it is a good story. We had one last year who came in late to the Stingray side, won a premiership, got drafted in Sam Sturt. We've got another similar story this year.
1: You don't like him though, do you?
0: Cooper Shaw, I do like him. <laughs> I do like it's him.
1: left him for yeah. last. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about.
0: I do know
2: what you oh, There's no inside jokes on this podcast. No, so well, so it was
0: on a certain podcast that I may have... questioned
1: been the why he was so highly rated when he'd only played a few games.
0: was being devil's advocate, mm. and then I saw him live. Um, Cooper Sharman. So he's come out of Borwin in the middle of the season, was doing some pretty special things there, entered the Oakley Chargers program, has done some pretty special things at NAB League. Level, I think uh, I'll get his stats up for the NAB League season in a minute. But he, he's a talent that's going to go. We know that. He's claimed a premiership, so he's done what Sam Sturt did last year for the Stingrays. He played eight games, kicked 14 goals. Mm. Yeah, he's
1: he's he's certainly one that is um, incredibly talented and there's a lot of upside to him. I, I think he's still very, very raw. Um, they're obviously doing the testing as we record, so um, we don't know what it'll be. Be, but we assume he'll be pretty good in the um, running agility type but not so good in the endurance. That's just as a general kind of thing for people who haven't been in the elite
0: system. Um, and so he, he was never, for the to provide the background case, he was never a part of a junior pathway program until the middle of this year, is that correct?
1: Well, for Oakley, he was a part of the GWS Academy, which is the right. interesting story. It doesn't get talked about much. Obviously, for whatever reason, like he did relocate to Melbourne but obviously for whatever reason... Um, there wasn't the connection made to make um, a, a Nabley or then TAC Cup team. Um, he's gone to local footy and he's he's really performed strongly. And um, he's come into the team and uh, I've, I've got to give a shout out there to Craig Burns who who first mentioned him to me um, and then I stole him off him, <laughs> as I do, because he's a real great judge of talent. So if you ever want to find that out, I um, yeah. He's still all my selections he, too. He did, he did mention to me that he saw this kid in his first game when they were playing... Gippsland he said oh there's something about him um and then he got dropped back to Baldwin the week after I think there might have been contract things or something like that there um and we thought oh okay don't know about that but then he was back and I saw him the week after and he kicked four goals I went oh yep this kid's pretty good and um I I think it's very similar to Sturt in the way that he's got a lot of upside maybe not quite the same as Sturt because Sturt had elite like a lot of things, it was just completely raw. Where, um, Sharman is very good vertical leap. Like he will test very well in that. Um, he's pretty quick off the lead. Um, once he's going, he'll he'll grab it, and he's one of the best set shots. Like I've only seen him miss a couple of set shots. Um, the, those it's a the, of, grand final, yeah. in the grand final, yeah, grand
0: final, yeah. But it, I think back to the triple header from outside fifty on yeah. a v- yeah. quite a tight angle. Mm. And yeah. he just went back full of confidence.
1: Yeah, he he's, he just keeps it simple. Like, everyone could learn from his set shot. He just goes back, comes straight in, no fuss, no funny ball drop or funny spin or anything like that. He just goes back, puts it through, no worries whatsoever. And he just enjoys his footy. Um, I remember taking a photo of him after he'd taken a high-flying mark and he was walking back sort of smiling with this little grin on his face while the uh, opponent was sort of on the knees being like, oh... So, he enjoys his footy. So, uh, I, I look forward to see where he ends up.
0: Where does he end up?
1: I think he's sort of that late second to third round prospect. That high? Yeah. Well, I, I rate him in that area. Like, he's probably the third round, but which is
2: mid-30s onwards. But, um,
1: yeah, I, I think he's not out there.
2: Yeah, I think you have to consider as well. He's had a little bit of a drop-off towards the end of the year. In particular, his last few games where he didn't have this, like he wasn't kicking the three or four goals as he did um, when he came straight in. And I think you put that down to he was playing local footy. You know, like mm. you're not, you don't have the pre season to prepare you for this elite level Oakley Chargers footy. And when that happens, you're going to burn out towards the end of the
0: year. So plus you start getting other clubs talking about how they handle him.
2: Plus you yeah.
1: get a kid called Jamara in there with you. So. True. Um, and plus, he's always going to be. Plus, you've got
0: about twenty-one others that are fairly, yeah, fairly handy. handy
2: players. Yeah, yeah, they're a decent team, Oakley. I think <laughs> they've got some talent. Um, they might go all right this season. Yeah.
0: So just I know we we largely looking at this year's draft combine invites. Looking ahead for these two, oh. are they going to be as scary as what they were this year Oakley at NAB be. League yeah, level?
2: D- Oakley definitely will be. I think. Um, I when when are
0: they not? Yeah,
2: yeah. All, the last decade they have been the premier team. I mean, they've won four flags in pretty recent times. Um, but we keep talking about, there's this kid, what's his name? Uh, Jamara. Um, and then obviously, <laughs> <Who>? <laughs> uh, that's Jamara yugo Um Obviously, Finlay McRae, as we've mentioned, Reef McInnes for Pius fans is, is a big one. Bailey Laurie, who um, I think was stiff to miss out on the under-17s futures game. Fantastic prospect up forward, and um, and Sam Tucker as well as decent defender. So they've oh. they've got the sort of spine. Uh, I think that that'll um, that'll really set them through. I think maybe Pete can can touch on this, but Sandria might have a bit of a, a drop off. They'll still be up there, but not as um not you know not the twenty odd draft. Uh, yeah combine invitees
1: yeah like i mean they probably will and i'll just mention on oakley i was shocked that michael forgot will phillips like he's uh, one of your boys (laughs) that's one of michael's boys and he's um, just forgotten him. so we're gonna cut back there and also will phillips uh, is a
2: good inside outside type i think Uh,
1: (laughs) i just was waiting for and he never came but uh, in terms of sandringham talent look i mean jake bowie's the 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 one that really stands out we saw it on the weekend he's got some real talent Um, ollie lord was another one who um showed some great progress there's, there's the thing with sandy is they don't always show it at bottom age level because the top age is always so strong so then you think oh they're not going to be as good next year and then they come around and suddenly they're all guns again so you know and, and it's the same thing and then not only that like bottom age next year will be really strong because we've seen it at under 16s level a kid called josh sin goes all right we haven't seen him in the NAB League claiming all my boys again yeah you're not <laughs> claiming all the under 16s michael you can't claim everyone um and he's yeah he's one that's you know really talented um he'll be versatile and will play off a flank most likely and and get some really good games in and Campbell Chesser as well who Michael's probably going to claim as well but um you know he's one of those Vic Country Sandringham Dragons kids so no doubt that people will get confused by that again next year but um look he's he's just such a talent and they've got so much talent coming through in that bottom age for next year um it'll complement their top age next year
0: you just mentioned the uniqueness there of the country playing for mm. a metro club that that player that, i can't remember who did you mention before um
2: oh, oh say that again <laughs> that's the one he's
0: also got that to, as well playing for Vic country despite playing for oakley given that he's originally from Warrnambool. and how would it feel being a, a gwv yeah, well, well, there's also Morris Rioli Jr. is obviously it's, hailing from the NT
2: and, and um, attending Scotch College. So, I mean, GWV, I think, don't think will feel too sorely given that um, they're going to be decent next year as well. I
0: think they've got some really good bottom ages. That wraps it up for this edition of the Final Siren Podcast. Thanks to Draft Central. Make sure that you head to afl.draftcentral.com.au. Full player profiles will be available over the coming months as we head towards the 2019 draft. Thanks to Michael Avaro. Thanks to Pete Williams. We'll catch you next time here on the Final Siren Podcast. Thanks to Draft Central.